Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Reliance Podcast. Join us Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, 9.30 or 11. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. your Bible. Let's go. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We uh, are in our Advent series, our Christmas series, uh, which we're just straight up calling the gospel. I know sometimes it's easy to come up with different like Christmas theories that are catchy. Well, the catchiest one to us is called the gospel. Amen. And it's all about Jesus, and uh, this is really where our heart is at. What you'll see in John, John chapter 1, is you'll see uh, John, uh, will be writing about John um, the Baptist, and he'll say these words, John the Baptist was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And that's what today is all about. We just want to simply testify about the light of Jesus. And so last week, talked, last week we talked strictly about Jesus, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we're doing all of this really out of John chapter 1. All of this theme is really out of John chapter 1. And uh, today we're going to talk about the gospel, and we're going to talk about how the light broke through, that Jesus is the light that broke through. And so um, just kind of catching you up again from last week, Advent is that season of preparation. It's, it's that season of getting our heart ready uh, for the coming of, of Jesus. And so really the Advent of something is that it's finally here. When, when, when the pinnacle of Advent comes, it means it's finally here. And so for, for years, for thousands of years, uh, the people of God were adventing. They, they were waiting for this Messiah. They were waiting for the Son of God to come. They were waiting for the King of Kings to come. And so in John chapter 1, he's different than the other Gospels. We, we talk about the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptic Gospels. They're very much talking about what Jesus did, a, a lot about his humanity, but John is different He's not so concerned about what Jesus did as he is about who Jesus is. And so John is about who Jesus is. And John has, so you'll read all four of them, and what you'll see is John has similar stories, but a completely kind of different vantage point. The other three, again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're very much about Jesus, his humanity, how he was born, and how he was raised, his lineage. John is about the revelation of where he came from. And so John is like this guy who had this deep-seated encounter with Jesus. And, and so um, if Jesus is everywhere, which is what we talked about last week, we talked about how Jesus is in the Old Testament all through the Old Testament and, and through the New Testament. If Jesus is everywhere, his light is everywhere. Amen? If Jesus is everywhere, his light is everywhere. And so um, all things light is what we're after today. And one of the biggest descriptors that John is going to give is this analogy of light. Here's what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, he, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was, everybody say life. In him was life, and the life, he's going to tell us what that is, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Amen? This descriptor 
that John uses, and you'll see it throughout Scripture, this descriptor of Jesus, this idea of light, is a huge theme throughout all of John's account. You'll read it again in, in 1 John as well. He'll talk about light and life. There's something that John saw about Jesus that it radiated light. And I just want to throw this out again to you, just in case you missed it. Last week, Jesus had his 12 that he did life with, his 12 disciples. Then he had his three that, that was like his inner circle. So whatever it was that John saw in that inner circle, all of it reminded him of light. It's like John saw Jesus, and when he saw Jesus, he didn't just see the humanity of Jesus, he saw the radiance of God in him. So all these encounters, these intimate moments that he was with Jesus, where Jesus pulled the three aside, Peter, James, and John, and he was having these times, when John is listening and, and tuning into Jesus, it's like when he's jotting down his notes, everything that's coming to John is, he's light, man, he is light. And you think about it, when you've met somebody and you're just like, man, they are just a ray of sunshine. Anybody met somebody like that? There's a ray of sunshine. It's like wherever they go, it just feels like you can feel the sun just radiating it off of them. This is how John saw Jesus. Everywhere Jesus is going, he's radiating this light. And so he pins it in his gospel, and he'll pin it in 1 John as well. John wants us to understand this idea that Jesus is light. And so you won't find really a greater opposition in life than this opposition, this opposite of, of darkness and light. And so in scripture, you know, it talks about like height and depth, sometimes trying to show the difference. But more than anything in scripture that you'll read about really is this idea of this opposite of light and dark. And so the reason is, is because we all get it. If the lights went off in the house today, if all the lights were turned off in the house today, everybody in here would, would, would know that something's changed. You'd be like, it, it's different, right? Like something just happened. If it went from light to dark, there would be no question in this room, it feels different right now. And that's really what John wants you to understand. When Jesus came in, it wasn't like, well, some people kind of felt like it was different. He changed everything, Amen. He changed everything. I remember going on a family trip two years ago, and uh, we went with my, my brothers and, and some other folks, and we went to Arkansas, and we went caving. Anybody ever been caving? Okay. So we, we decided, we got to this one place, and we, we decided to go back into this cave, about a 100-yard belly crawl, about opening like this, 100-yard belly crawl, and we we're going to go back to this cave, and in this cave, supposedly there's a waterfall, right, and it was beautiful, but it's just, it's pitch dark. And so we've got 16 grandkids in tow, my kids, my brother's kids, my other brother's kids. We got, and so there's one guy in the front with a flashlight. You can believe we're climbing over each other trying to get to the light, right? So we're, we're belly crawling through this cave, and you get back there, and it's beautiful. There, there's a waterfall that's coming down. It's absolutely gorgeous back there. But there's absolutely no natural light that even comes close to that place. It's so far back. So we were like, hey, let's turn our light off. Let's just see what it feels like. So we turned the light off, and it was the worst, most panicky, void experience. of your life. It wasn't just dark. It was dark, dark. You know what I'm talking about? Like, dark, like when, when it's dark, dark, dark. 
okay? And it was so bad that, 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 that there was this scream in the cave. One of the kids just screamed out in sheer panic mode, just to scream, like literally like everything in there, just to scream. And I was like, thank you, Riker, because I almost did it, and I would have never <laughs> lived that down. So I, I grabbed it. I was like, I got him. Somebody turn the light on. He's scared, right? <laughs> and, and the moment that the light came on, something happened in that There was a peace that came in again. It's so crazy. Pitch dark in there. The lights go off and there's just this, there's a terror, literally a terror because you can't see your hand this close in front of your face. But the moment that the light came on, it was like a peace came in and then everybody began to gather to the light. It's crazy. And so when you think about how Jesus is the light and you think about why scripture talks so much about that is that darkness has terror to it. Darkness has difficulty to it. Darkness has fear to it. This is why scripture uses such a descriptive language about light and darkness. There's no possibility of missing it. That when Jesus came in, it wasn't like he changed a few things just a little bit and a few people took notice. Everything changed 2,000 plus years ago. Everything changed. The most famous person in the world is still Jesus. Look, look, whether you believe him or don't believe in him, whether you like him or don't like him, Jesus Christ has changed the face of the planet and still doing it today. Wars rise up because of Jesus. Fights break out because of Jesus. Wars on Facebook break out because of Jesus, right? Jesus has changed everything. Why? Because of what John tells us in John chapter 1, verse 5. The light broke through the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness is what was in the world without Christ. Darkness is associated with hopelessness. Darkness is associated with with maybe desperation. Darkness is associated with the curse. Genesis, man, we the earth was cursed, right? Adam and Eve got a curse because of the darkness of the sin that came in. Darkness is associated with being under the power of death. I want you to think about this language. When you're in despair, when you're going through difficulty, what what do we say? We go, I'm really in a dark place right now. It's the language that we use. It's it's a language of of difficulty. Life has been a, a bit dark lately. Why? Because we know that we associate it with those things. So in all of the Old Testament and in all of the New Testament, we get this idea that the light has come. And it's this huge idea that the light has come. It's why Satan doesn't want you to look to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is light. It's why Satan will actually do the exact opposite. Scripture says he'll disguise himself as an angel of light so you'll go after a counterfeit light and not the real light. It's a big deal. And this is why Isaiah is going to say, too, the people walking in darkness have seen, somebody say, a great light. Have seen a great light. Jesus comes in and that light penetrates the hopelessness. That light penetrates the, 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 the desperation. That light penetrates that curse that we were under. That light penetrates that we're under the power of death. That light penetrates it. And as John says, the light penetrates the darkness and the darkness can no longer overcome it. It's done. It's finished. It's over. 
Listen, church, this is, this is big. It's why you and I, we love to go outside at nighttime, and we love to look up in this vast expanse, and we see this pitch dark sky, but we love to go and watch the stars. We're drawn to them. It's, like, it's why we love to go and watch the moon in its radiance when it's a full moon. It's beautiful because in that dark expanse of nothingness, we see light. If we have seen, if we've been in darkness, if we've been in that place of despair, when we see that light, what happens is we have a tendency to go towards, towards it. Think about Christmas season. What do many people do? I don't say many people because I want to pass judgment or throw people under the bus, but what do many people do to their houses during the Christmas season? We, we light them up. We put Christmas, we go Griswold on this bad boy, right? Like, we, we, we light them up, and then what happens? We put our lights on the house, and what, what happens? It's like it draws attention to the house. It, it lights the house up, and there's a reason we do that. And, and it's because we like our houses lit up during this season. Jesus is the light of the world. Let's light our houses up. And then what happens? People get in their cars and wait in line for endless hours in some of these places, right, to go and look at how you lit your house up. Why? Because we're drawn to the light. Man, we, we, we went that Christmas caroling. Man, I'm going to tell you what the enemy tries to do, though. We went Christmas caroling. Just a funny story with this. So kids were going out, and they were knocking on the doors. My daughter's nine, Trinity. She loves Christmas caroling. She was knocking on this door, and we were spreading Christmas cheer, and everybody's coming out, and they're hearing it. She goes and knocks on a door, and then she's going to run through the yard to come back to the trailer, and she didn't realize that they had strung all their lights in the trees. She wiped them out. Every one of them, just boom, 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 boom. So the people come out, and we're like, joy to the world, and their lights are all down. Like, we just destroyed them, right? And she's, like, crying. I'm like, baby, it's okay. Like, they don't need those. You know, I'm trying to comfort her or whatever. <laughs> like, but, but the people were very good, and they were like, hey, no big deal. Thanks for singing to us. I'm sure as we drove off. I mean, we told them we were a different church, but as we drove off, <laughs> like, it's no big deal. So, but all that to say, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to come into your life, knock on your door, and rip your lights down. He doesn't want you to walk in the light. He doesn't want you to lay hold of the light. He doesn't want you to look at the light. He doesn't want it. How do I know that? Because in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel, there's stories about Jesus' birth where Herod and other people are trying to come in and kill the baby Jesus. They don't want light coming into the world. And so in the synoptic gospels, the enemy's going, how do I snuff out this light? The enemy does not want you to find this light. Why? Because the gospel is all about him for us. He says it in Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them his light has shone. Your heart, my heart, your heart was made to hear this. The invisible God made visible through Christ to bring us great news that light has come. How many guys believe that if Jesus saved then, Jesus saves now? How many guys believe if Jesus was the answer then, he's the answer now? It's why you're in church. you got much better things to do than to come on a Sunday morning if you don't believe this. I'm telling you right now, if Jesus is the answer, then he's the answer now. So what does this light do then? What is this, how does this light move in my life? I want to convince you that what you'll see is the light changes everything. David knew about this in Psalm 27. David's going to write these words in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light 
and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and foes who are going to stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. He's coming heavy with anything you could imagine in life, trying to grip your heart. He's going, I'm going to be confident and I will not fear. He's going to tell us why. One thing I ask from the Lord, this do I seek. He's given the answer to our confidence and why we're not fearing. One thing I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of a sacred tent. He'll set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Let me do some work on this. I want to reveal to you what David didn't know maybe in that time, but you and I get to see today. Psalm 27 is all about Jesus. Every word of it is about Jesus. It's similar to what we said last week. Every word in the Old Testament is about Jesus. Psalm 27 is all about Jesus. The first thing that David says is, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In whom shall I fear? I always find it interesting. He didn't say just that the Lord is my salvation. Why didn't he just say the Lord is my salvation? I mean, that's where we come, right? We come to church. We're like, man, I just want to be saved I just want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. I just want to be saved. David knew something. The Lord wasn't just his salvation. He was his light too. Why is that important? Because when the Lord is our salvation, I don't fear death. When the Lord is my light, I don't fear darkness anymore. When the Lord is my light, I don't fear darkness anymore. Then he goes on. He says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He starts talking about wars and enemies coming against him. You and I could change that language today and we could say, though depression rises up in me, though my anxiety is out of control, though people may beat me down with their words, still I will remain confident in him. Jesus is my light and my confidence He goes on, he says, this is what I ask, this is what I desire, that I may seek him and dwell in the house of the Lord. Jesus is the house of the Lord. He's called the cornerstone of the house. That I may behold the beauty of the Lord. Jesus in Colossians and in Hebrews, we talked about it last week. Jesus is called the beauty or the radiance of God. David didn't know it. He's speaking about Jesus. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. He's like, look to Jesus. He hid me in his sacred tent Jesus has told us in Colossians through Paul that we are hidden in Christ. He shall set me high upon a rock. Jesus is called the rock of ages. And it says that in him we are seated high in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My head shall be lifted above my enemies. Jesus says that he'll place all enemies under his feet. I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Scripture says he will be the cause of great joy for all people. Do you see Jesus in Psalm 27? He is my light. Somebody say he is my light. This is key, family. I know there are people in this room who have been through dark, dark places. We, we've walked through some of those together. You've walked through many of those together with one another. You've heard it said that the, the, the definition of darkness, you've, you've heard it said probably a thousand times that darkness is only the absence of light. You can't make something darker. You simply take the light away. 
You simply take the, the, the light away. So listen, darkness then, if that's true, and, and darkness is just simply the absence of light, if that's all it is, and you can't make something darker, you can just simply take more and more light away. If that's true, and that's the true definition of it, then darkness can only reign where there is no light. And if that's true, the light of the world has come, so darkness can no longer reign in your life. Darkness can no longer reign in your heart. Darkness can no longer reign in your mind. Darkness can no longer reign in your family. To reign means it has rule and control over you. Darkness no longer has rule and control over you. Amen, church. Because the light has come. This is what he says. The light has come. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, is coming into the world. This is the news that John saw fitting for chapter 1. Everybody else want to talk genealogy, awesome. That, we need to know that it fulfills prophecy. Everybody else wants to talk about how he came, awesome, it fulfills prophecy. But John, John, the one intimately connected to Jesus, the one whom Jesus loves, how he's referred to, John, he's like, here's how I want to open up chapter one. The light has come, darkness no longer rules over you. You've overcome it. And somebody in the house today, you feel so beat. I'm telling you, in my own life I felt this. You're going, it's a good word, I know how I'm going to do it. He does it. Okay, we good? So Jesus comes in to be God's redemptive plan to put into motion his light. Remember what he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He comes in to put into motion his light to reign in the hearts of humanity that were darkened. When David said, you are my light, in Psalm 27, and my salvation, he was declaring that Jesus was his all. His, all. his provision, his peace, his fortress, his defense, he was all. Uh, uh, C.S. Lewis, anybody ever read C.S. Lewis stuff? C.S. Lewis has a good quote. Here's what he says um, about Christ. I believe in Christ. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Christ as I believe in the Son, S-U-N. Not only can I see it, but by it I see everything. I can see the sun, but because of the rays that come out of it, I can see other things as well. Jesus is the means by which we see everything. Have we settled in our hearts that he is my light? Somebody say, he is my light. Here we go. John, again, just convince you that he is your light. John 8, John 12. You're going to say the same thing. John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not, somebody say not, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's not a condemning statement. That's not like, oh, well, I'm walking through trials right now and I'm struggles. And, and so he never said whoever follows me will not walk through trials. That's not what he said. Though my enemies surround me, though my foes come after me, I will not fear, still I'll be confident. What are you saying in this scripture verse is, when I'm walking in the light, though darkness try to surround me, I get to tell the devil, you're over. Your darkness is done. It does not bring me down. It does not stop me. And it does not make me fear. I know the light. He says the same thing in John 12, 35. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness will not overtake you. The only one who, the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. Sounds right. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become, somebody say sons of light. Here's what he's telling us now. 
When we walk in the light now, because Jesus has risen and gone and been with the Father, given us the Holy Spirit, now you and I, as sons and daughters, we hold the light inside of us. We're sons and daughters of the light. We're sons and daughters of the light. When Jesus was walking on planet earth, he was the light. They all came to him. When Jesus ascended to heaven and poured out a spirit, now we are sons and daughters of the light. It's in all of us. I don't need to go to Jerusalem to find him. He's right here. Amen, church. This is John's vantage point. This is what he's seeing. This is, and I, maybe because he was at the transfiguration, I don't know. Maybe because he was there when Jesus came in his heavenly form and he's radiating and the light's radiating. Maybe this is why he's got such an understanding of this. I don't know. But we know that John and Peter and James were with Jesus, transfiguration, right? And in that moment, what we know is that they saw the radiance of who Jesus really was. They didn't just see his humanity, they saw his deity in that moment. And in that moment, we've read about it, right? In that moment, something changed in which John saw Jesus in. He didn't just see Jesus, he saw Jesus. You see, I changed my voice there. Didn't just see Jesus, he saw Jesus. I'm going to geek out for just a minute because I was watching this movie the other day, Matrix, right? Matrix, you guys watch Matrix? I know, I'm geeking, whatever, right? So I'm watching this movie, I don't know why, it's just Suzanne, I'm watching this movie, seen it a thousand times, and there's the part where if you haven't seen it, don't waste your time, but uh, there's a part where you're sucked into the Matrix and, right, it's like they're all computer generated, but they don't know it, it looks real life, whatever, and everybody's fearful inside of the Matrix, because you die in the matrix, you die in real life. So they're all fearful, right, that they're going to get taken out, except for a guy named Neo, right? Neo's not fearful because something happened to Neo. Something happened to him. They, they all called him the chosen one, which, yeah, whatever. What? But they all called him the chosen one. He could see what was really in the matrix, and he could see that it was, always just, it was just already computer stuff. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. So he could defy everything in there. Why am I geeking out with Matrix for just a minute? I think because John saw Jesus, and he didn't just see him as a man. He saw him as God, and he knew when he was with God, everything else was an imitation. Because when he was with Jesus, nothing was going to happen to him. When he was with Jesus, it didn't matter. How do I know this? Because down the line in John's life, somebody's going to pick him up, put him into a boiling pot of oil, and he's like, it's not going to kill me? And he gets boiled alive, doesn't die, not sure how that works. They pull him out. I'm like, I don't know what that looks like, all right? Pull him out. He lives into old age, he writes Revelation. So John knew that he was with Jesus. He saw him for who he really was, not just his humanity, but his deity, and it changed everything in John's life. If you fix your eyes on him, the enemy has no hold over you. Let me show you how this was God's plan for redemption. Just the last few minutes here. In Genesis, in the beginning, we, we read the words, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We read the deal. The earth had no form. It was void. Darkness covered it. You remember that? This is key. So, so he speaks, you, you got this, this ball, this sphere, earth, no form, void, darkness. First day, Genesis chapter 1, first, first day. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God will always get light when he speaks light because his word will never return void or empty. Amen? Speaks light. 
And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day, and the darkness called night, and there was evening, there was morning the first day. Now there's something crazy that happens. Now you've got a sphere, this ball. He's starting to put some creative order to it. First thing he says is there's darkness and there's light. I'm going to separate those two. Now something crazy happens on day four. So he's got two, three more days of, of making stuff. But on day four it says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the, to, to rule the day. Everybody say the sun. And the lesser light to rule the night. Everybody say the moon and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. To rule over the day and over the night. To separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. Now if you're a theologian in the room, we got a problem. Because on the first day, it said God spoke light and separated the darkness from the light. But he didn't create the moon and the sun until the fourth day. Mm-hmm. What's lighting up the planet for the first three days? Oh, I'd love to tell you. I'd love to tell you. On the first day, God created light. On the fourth day, he creates the sun and the moon. Those first three days is a foretaste of what it's going to be like when we're seated with God forever in the heavens and all eternity. Let me tell you what I mean by that. That means that for three days, there was light that was separated from darkness. Well, what brought the light? The glory of the Lord illuminated planet Earth in those first three days. Because the sun had not yet been in existence, nor the moon. In Revelation 21, 22, it says, And I saw no temple in the city, so we're getting taken home into glory. He says, I saw no temple in the city, for the temple itself is the Lord, the God Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will come and be brought into its glory. Revelation 22, verse 4. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord our God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. How many guys here? That's good news right there. Somebody say, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. So what we see is a foretaste in those first three days that Jesus is truly the light of the world. Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in scripture that you'll read. It's all about the word of God. I find that fascinating. It's all about the word of God. Psalm 119, 130 says, the entrance of your word brings light. What's Jesus called in John 1? The word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The entrance of your word, when your word was spoken, when Jesus is spoken, where Jesus shows up, where Jesus manifests himself, where Jesus is prayed, where Jesus is honored, where glory is in Jesus' name, the entrance of your word brings light. If you're going through a dark time right now, Jesus' name brings light. Jesus brings light. Jesus, who he is, brings light. If you're going through a time, the entrance of your word brings light. Amen, church. This is why we sing songs like, turn your eyes on Jesus. This is why we sing songs about laying hold of him. This is why we sing songs about fixing our gaze upon him. Not because they're cutesy, but because when we sing songs about seeing him, light penetrates the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. 
just give you this last word. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Somebody needs it. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness and the peoples. But, they say but, the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Jesus is coming. And his glory is in you. He's telling us a foretaste. Jesus is going to come and dwell in you. All nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around. He's talking, to, he's talking about Jesus. All nations are going to come to him. And they shall see. They shall gather together. They shall come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. morning, this is the word somebody needs to hold on to today. Darkness is going to cover the earth, he said it, but the Lord will arise upon you. The Lord will come in you, and you will see and be radiant. Jesus came to radiate through you and I. And I can just tell you, I've spent so much of my own life walking in darkness. But not today. The crazy thing about light is it comes on when we flip the switch. If I choose to go and, 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 and be in a dark room, I can do that. But the moment that I hit that switch, it, it, it takes me hitting that switch. The moment I hit that switch, it, it's not like in that moment the light's just going, not today. I hit that switch, and it's not like the light's going, ugh, I just don't feel like waking up. I hit that switch, and the light comes on. Somebody needs to know, when you pour yourself out, when you come before the Lord, when you cry out to the name of Jesus, he's not up there going, ah, it's not today. He's coming. Isaiah 42, I will lead the blind in a way they do not know, in the paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn their darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, I do not forsake them. Somebody in this house been walking around, you feel a little void. You feel like that Genesis, darkness surrounds me, I feel void. Four words changed everything. Let there be light. This morning, if that's you, and you just need light, you need light to come in. I just want to invite you. Light to come into your heart. Light to come into your mind. You feel down, depressed, out of it, beat down. If that's you, I want to invite you into the light of Jesus. If you're in here and you're like, man, I'm doing really good, I'm going to invite you to radiate then. You'll see him, you'll radiate him. That's what it says. I'm going to invite you to radiate him wherever you go. Do people see the light in you? Ellie comes up here. We pray over her. She's radiating something. People see the light in you. So I'm going to pray. We'll close out with this song. Father, this morning, man, wish we had more time, Jesus, but I pray you would do a work that you need to do right now. If there is somebody who's walking in darkness this morning, Lord, I just pray your light would come upon them. 
there's somebody, Jesus, right now who, who feels like they're in a place of despair, we pray your light would penetrate deep. I don't want, Jesus, this Advent season to be a time where we go, oh, it's great, Jesus is the light of the world, but we do nothing with it. Jesus, come change everything. And if there's people in here God doing really well right now, pray, radiate strong. Just radiate out of them, Father, we pray. Thank you for being the light. Thanks for listening to today's message. To find out more about who we are, find us on the Church Center app. See y'all next week.